0: Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. In lieu of a sponsor for this week's episode, I instead want to share one other podcast that I appreciate and want to recommend, Heaven in Your Home with Francie Winslow. If this is your first time here, welcome. We are doing something new today, so you chose to listen in on an exciting day. And if you've been around for a while, have you heard us talk about Patreon? This is a platform that financially sustains the Savvy Sauce. When listeners appreciate the content that they have access to for free, they sometimes choose to financially support our team so that we can be funded to continue producing podcast episodes. You may have heard me say before that if every listener gave only $1 per month, it would completely offset all of our financial costs to produce this podcast. As a thank you for those who choose to join Patreon, our team releases a bonus episode every month exclusively for the paying patrons. These recordings are timeless, and we have decided to unlock the vault and release just a few of these to you throughout the year. In doing this, we hope to show you what rich content you're missing out on by not being a patron. So I would like to personally invite each of you listening today to visit thesavvysauce.com and click the Patreon tab if you do want to join Patreon today. For as little as $5 per month, you're going to have access to over 50 bonus episodes like this one, with new ones released every month. You will also receive a quarterly downloadable scripture card designed by Ange at Jars of Grace. So for today, I am pleased to share with you an episode with my guest, Karen Stubbs. This was originally released back on December 1st in 2018, but her godly wisdom is still true today. Here's our chat. Welcome, Karen. We're so glad you're willing to join us again. Thank you. Just give us a glimpse of who you are and what your life looks like these days.
1: Sure. Well, I'm Karen Stubbs, and I am a mother of four. All of my children are grown. I've got all children in their 20s. Um,
0: Which is amazing because people can't see you right now. Like, you look 21. So it's incredible that your kids are in their 20s. It's
1: crazy. I'm a grandmother of two. Kelsey's pregnant with her third, but I love being a grandmother. And seven years ago, I started a ministry for mothers, Birds on a Wire. And it was just, my idea was just to equip and encourage moms because I worked at a church for 12 years and I just kept seeing... Over and over and over again, how moms were struggling and it was just really getting hard for them. And, and I think motherhood was hard for me. And I just honestly, for the longest time, thought I was the only one that thought that. And then whenever I worked in a church, I realized, oh, I wasn't. So why don't we do something for these moms? And, um, so I started Virgin Aware. Oh, and I'm married to Greg, 31 years of marriage, and he is a pilot. He flew for the Navy and then now he flies for FedEx. Awesome.
0: Congratulations. 31 years. You. That's incredible. And you did an amazing job not losing yourself even while you were a mama to oh, four. Thank you. So can you just tell us more stories to illustrate that journey and what it looked like for you to keep your personality alive without your relationship suffering with your kiddos?
1: Uh, you know, that's a great question. Like I said last time, you have really good questions, but um This is going to sound bad, and I don't mean for it to sound bad. Y'all just hear me out. I think I kept my children in their place. You know, I never, I tried never to allow them to get bigger than what they should be, if that makes any sense at all. I think it's so easy to allow your children to become idols in your life. You know, God tells us in the Bible not to put any idols before him but it's so easy to allow our children to come even before God because they're with us all the time. They are our world. You surround your world with them. Your days are geared around them. So it's just easy for them to become an idol where that's what you're thinking about all the time. That's what you're trying to pour into all the time. And that can be dangerous. So I think Maybe because my mom was pretty good at this. I mean, she was very loving and all, but we always knew our place. You know what I'm saying? In the home, in the family. And I always knew I was second in the family. My dad was first, first and foremost. And then my mom was, I mean, we were second. And I sort of brought that into my family and thought, you know what? I want to be loving and nurturing and caring and all that with my children, but I don't want them to ever go before Greg. And I don't want them to ever go before God. Because if they do, I've got it backwards and it's not going to be a good thing. Because a child cannot handle that much attention. They really can't. And I know you think, well, they do. But then they grow up and they're just rats. I'm sorry, but it's just the truth. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to be around them because the world in their mind revolves around them. You think of your friends. If you've got a friend and it's always about her all the time, you don't want to hang out with her that much because she never asks you about you. How is your day? What are you doing in your marriage? How are your kids? It's just me, 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 me. And it's like, okay, I'm done talking about you. I'm going to go home now. Yes. <laughs> Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I think that's sort of how I kept it all together. So if your kids are not number one, they are in their place. It's easier to think, I need to go get my hair cut. Or I'm buying spring clothes for all the kids. When was the last time I bought anything for me? I think I'm going to go get a new shirt or a new dress or some new shoes or make it all of it. When Abby went to college, our last one, it was Greg and I's 30-year anniversary. And I told Greg, once we get Abby into college, I want us to go on a trip. And so we did. We, We packed her up. Put her in college in August, and in September, we went on a month-long trip to Italy with our best friends, and we had the best time ever. Now, I don't want people to think I'm out of balance on this. Like, when I was starting Birds in a Wire, Abby was still in school, and I prayed, God, do not allow this ministry to blow up. If you want it to blow up, do not allow it to blow up until Abby graduates from high school, because I want to finish well with her. You know, i had been there for all the kids. And a ministry can really, it'll suck the life right out of you if you allow it to. So I just wanted to stay focused on Abby, finish well with her, and then I'll do whatever God, like now I'm traveling and stuff. I wouldn't have done that when, when she was at home because Greg travels. And I didn't think that was fair for both of us to be traveling. And she had to, you know, keep the home front down. I didn't think that was a good idea.
0: That's great. So you made decisions that were unique to your family situation. Yeah. All right. Well, let's back it up a little bit more. Going back to when you even had toddlers in the home. Okay. Can you share your most practical tips for disciplining a toddler and then maybe school age and high school, etc.?
1: Yeah. Okay. Toddler years, I think, um, honestly, just get into the mindset. Discipline is a mindset. And the mindset that you as mom needs, in my opinion, you're the boss. No matter what, you're the boss. I said you're not going to have dessert before dinner, and you're not going to have dessert before dinner. I don't care how cute you are. I don't care how good of an argument you have. I'm the boss. And kids do not like you being the boss. It was so funny. I was in California a few weeks ago with my grandchildren, and my oldest granddaughter, Evie, she's four. And she said, can I do something. And I said, I don't know. We'll ask your mommy. And she goes, why do we have to ask mommy? And I said, because mommy's the boss. And Evie says, I don't want mommy to be the boss. I want to be the boss. And I said, I know, but you're not. And she said, when will I be the boss? I said, whenever you become a mommy. And she goes, oh. And this is her little four-year-old mentality, but that that to be a good disciplinarian when they're little, toddlers got to be the boss you're the boss. Don't be afraid. Don't feel guilty. You're the boss. God actually gave you that position. You're the boss. He said, children obey your parents. That means mom's boss, mom and dad. Um, elementary age years. Um, let's see. That is, you're now teaching the why behind the no. So when they're little, mommy says no. Um, and they just need to obey. You know, they don't necessarily, their brain, you could probably talk way more into this than me, their brain is not developed enough to make um, rational decisions. At elementary age, they're getting to that place. So now, as a mom, you come alongside and you're like, no, you don't need to cheat, and this is the reason why. No, you don't lie, this is the reason why. No, you need to whatever, this is the reason why. And you start putting some meat behind what you've been teaching them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And then also in elementary years, you're sort of laying the groundwork at that point. We need to do our best. When you're doing your homework, you need to do your best. My kids used to come to me and they'd have their homework and it'd be sloppy, couldn't hardly read it. And I would take the sheet of paper, crumple it up, I'd throw it away and I'd say, go do it again. And now it's it's ruined. They cannot turn it in. So they'd be like, why did you do that? And I'm like, because this isn't your best. You have better handwriting than this. You're being sloppy. You're you're trying to make shortcuts. And that's not what we are about. Our family is about doing our best, you know, and then turning in our best, even if it doesn't matter. You do your best. Does that make sense?
0: It's such a good life lesson, too.
1: Thanks. And then um, high school, middle school, high school, really high school, uh, starts in middle school. But anyways, um, start allowing their actions, the consequences of their actions to start playing out. You need to get out of the way. Moms need to quit fixing things for their kids. And if they fail a class, they fail a class, they go to summer school. Don't go to the teacher. Don't. Now, listen. Let me pause. My youngest, Abby, has dyslexia. So I did go to the teacher once we found out, diagnosed that she had that, and I said, we all met, you know, the the administration with Abby, and we talked it through. This is what she needs. These are some special accommodations she needs. So I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. And we advocated for her to get extra time and all that kind of stuff, and that was fine. But now, if Abby doesn't study and she fails a test, even with special accommodations, I'm not going to go to the teacher on her behalf and say, well, she's got dyslexia, and she didn't know, and you need to let her take the test again. That's wrong, in my opinion. They, they're they teenagers. They need to learn that their actions have consequences, and the best time for them to learn this, in my opinion, is middle school and high school. And if they're not studying, um, they don't get to play football. They can't be on the cheerleading squad. We had a rule that if your grades drop below a B, you're done. With whatever sport activity you're in, you're not going to keep doing it. And that actually has taken hold even through college, you know. Because uh, in our state, Georgia, there's a HOPE scholarship. scholarship. Yeah. And so they can go to school really for a reduced rate if they maintain the HOPE. And we've told, Abby's the only one of ours that's gone to Georgia school, but um, if you maintain the HOPE, We'll continue to pay everything else. If you lose hope, then you're going to have to pay the difference. So that's a big deal. And then with my kids that went out of state, I said, I'm giving you four years. If you can't get it wrapped up in four years, it's on you. And that was big-time motivation for them. So you're teaching them in high school. Your actions have consequences, good and bad. So if you want to have a lot of privileges, a lot of responsibility, make the right choices. If you don't, live home with me all the time, then keep doing what you're doing.
0: (laughs) What would you say are some guidelines for relying on your husband to help with the kids or maybe looking outside of your husband to a babysitter or other family members?
1: Yeah, I think we'll start with the husband. I think a lot of times moms want the husband's 50-50. You know, I'm doing this, you're doing that. You know, I've changed this many diapers so you better get on it. You got a lot to make up. And I hate to burst all mom's bubbles, but my bur- bubble had to be burst, so I'm just going to pop, pop theirs. Uh, It's not 50-50. You're giving 100%, and if a dad does give 100, that's awesome. Rarely do they. And it's not that they aren't capable. I just don't think God wired them the same way he wired us. I really don't. I remember one time Kelsey had an ear infection. She was little, and it hurts, you know, and we've given her Tylenol, and she. Woke up in the middle of the night crying. And Greg goes, why does she keep crying? Men are just not nurturing, you know? And I just said, her ear hurts. And I went and sat up with her and rocked her. Because as long as she was upright, she was okay. And then the next morning, we went to the doctor and we got medicine and all that. But Greg slept the whole night, you know? So I can either wake up and be mad as a hornet with him. Because I haven't slept and I've been up all night rocking this baby. Or I can just realize... Thank you, Lord, that you have equipped me the way you have. And I would never lay in bed and let her cry through the night knowing that her eardrum had just burst. You know what I mean? So I'm glad that you gave me. Now, that is an old woman now looking back to those years. I probably was mad with Greg at the time. But I'm just saying God did not equip men the way he equipped us. Mm-hmm. He just didn't. So it's not 50-50. So that's, that's for the men. The other thing I would suggest to moms is... When your husband does watch the kids, when he is trying to help, he rarely does it the way we want them to do it. But he's doing it, so leave it alone. And don't try to make him be like you because he's not, and that's a good thing. Greg, whenever he would watch the kids, I would come home and the house would be a wreck. But my kids had so much fun with him. It was just one big happy thing after another, and I was just like, okay. And I used to tell Greg, could you try to pick up, you know, while you're babysitting? And he's like, uh, I thought I did wash the dishes. And I'm like, well, you didn't, but it's okay. <laughs> so that's that. Um, in you know, family, watching your kids, I think that's wonderful. That's awesome if you have that available. A lot of times that comes with strings attached, you know, in laws, a lot of times there's some strings attached, and even my mom um she didn't love it. you know she raised four kids herself, and she sort of felt like her job was done. She would do it, but there wasn't a lot of joy behind it. You know what I mean um so honestly, I just got teenage college students to be babysitters because my kids had way more fun, and my kids love my mom, but babysitting wise it just wasn't that great you know what I mean so um I would just hire a college student to come in and they would watch him and they oh my gosh we had so much fun you know when Greg and I would go on a trip or whatever I would have the college student come in and run the house and it was great so that's my thought
0: love it and there that helps with creative solutions if you need a break and you feel like you can't ask your husband for whatever Mm -hmm. reason or a family member the babysitters are another option that's right What struggles do you see in young moms these days?
1: Mm. Mm. Guilt, like we talked about last session. I just think Satan definitely just pours extra amount of guilt on moms and just to get us off track. I think us as moms, we try to be everything to our kids. We try to do everything for our kids. And it's just too much. It's just too much. At some point, somebody's got to stand up and just be like, enough, you know, and as soon as you can realize as a mom that you're not enough, the better off you're going to be, the better off your children are going to be. You don't need to be everything for your child, because if you are, they will never see a need for a savior. Oh, that's so good. You know? Yes, so (laughs) true. (laughs) No, I'm serious. I know whenever my Kelsey got to be in high school, I realized She would tell, I was like, we are not Catholic, but I was like her priest. Like if she would confess it to me, she felt like she was all right with the world. And God really started pressing on my heart. You're not the Holy Spirit. And I was like, oh, you're right. But I, in some weird, odd way, I felt like, well, we're close. And that means I'm a good mom that she can confess all these things to me. And then I can absolve her, you know, from that, you know. Not in a Catholic way. I'm not trying to at all. I'm just saying that's just the word that came to my mind. But I'm not the Holy Spirit. I cannot forgive her of her sins. She definitely needs a Heavenly Father. She needs to learn that He loves her no matter what she does. And He's going to accept her in bring her back to him because that's why he sent his son. And so I told her one time, I appreciate you telling me this, but from now on, I don't want you to tell me this stuff. I want you to tell God first. After you get it all worked out with him, you can more than happy come tell me about it. But I don't want to stall your relationship with the Lord because you think you've already talked to me and now you're done. Because even if you talk to me, you still need to go to him. So let's just take me out of the equation. You start going to God, and then t- let me be second.
0: Oh, that's so great. Thank you for You're sharing welcome. that example, because that helps illustrate how we can train our children to transfer their dependence on us mm-hmm. to, as they get older, their dependence on God. Right. Now, looking back, you said your kids are out of the house. Uh-huh. So what are a few things that you are so happy you mm-hmm. did when your kids were little? that now you're seeing the benefits and the fruit that they're older.
1: Mm. As hard as it was when they were little, I'm really glad I disciplined them. And I was a no-nonsense kind of mom. You just got to know because I was doing it by myself the majority of the time. And I was so glad in their teen years that I would laid down the law. And they knew when I said no, I meant no. And they didn't, none of my kids bucked me in the teen years. Cause they knew when I got that serious look on my face, when I said, that's enough, they knew that I meant that's enough. Like we're not going to cause mom's so crazy. She might take away my car, <laughs> <laughs> you know, mom is so crazy. She might take away my cell phone. Like they knew not to push me on it because, and I would listen to them. I was always like, let me hear your side of things and blah, 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 blah. And then if, and I remember with Kelsey, especially, she was a uh, persistent and I would just say enough is enough and I'm not going to hear this anymore. We're not going to talk about this. I've told you my answer and that's it. You do it again. You're going to be punished. And boom, she would be like, all right, you're a crazy woman. And I know you will do that. So I'm really glad I disciplined them. I'm really glad I kept Greg number one. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad. I was really glad that whenever we moved Abby into college and Greg both and I, we walked out of the dorm and we high-fived each other (laughs) and we went and got in the car and we just I was just so glad I'd left him number one because now I was so happy to be with him. You know, we've got some time in the house. We're by ourselves. Italy was amazing. It was just like, ah, I still like you, you know? I mean, of course I love you, but I still like you. I still like hanging out with you. I still think you're funny. I still think you're cute. I want to go to the movies with you. I want to hold your hand. Like, that. I'm glad I kept him number one. And it would have been easy not to have kept him number one. Because children are just naturally trying to be number one. Always. That's just the way they are. and Or my children anyways. And they didn't always like it when we went on dates. They always were like, what do you mean? Why are you leaving us? Why are you going on a trip with dad? And I'm like, because I want to. You know, be glad one day that I want to. And so I'm glad I kept number one. And I'm glad I continued to pay attention to me. I'm glad I continued to buy myself a new outfit and to go get my hair done and pour into me so that I felt good about myself whenever Abby had gone to college and I didn't have to get a whole new wardrobe because... I was so frumpy, you know, it made me feel good when Abby and all my kids were in high school and their friends would be like, your mom dresses really cute, you know, like my mom wears this horrible Christmas sweater with the cats on it at Christmas time and I wish she wouldn't do that, it's embarrassing and I'm glad that I sort of, you know, didn't overdo it, but I did love myself enough to be like, you know what, I need a new something every now and then too. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad I did that. Which is so neat because it
0: sounds like it wasn't always just for your children, but they were actually benefited by all of those choices as well.
1: Totally. And I will tell you this, high school moms, if you do need a bump up in your wardrobe, you need to get it. Because you lose credibility, influence, if you're just like behind the times kind of mom. I hate to say that, but it's really true. But if you sort of look good and you don't have to dress to the nines, that's not what I'm talking about. If you take pride in yourself, if you, you know, like I said, love yourself enough to do something for yourself, that is communicated in a way of confidence to your children and helps them respect you, I think. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I think.
0: I love it. That's something unique that we may not think about day to day so it's yeah. really helpful
1: well you dress super cute so you will really be fine yeah you're so <laughs> sweet thank you
0: instead of a sponsor today i want to share another podcast i don't want you to miss out on it's called heaven in your home sex marriage and the mission of god Francie Winslow is the founder of this podcast, and she was a fantastic guest on The Savvy Sauce in Episodes 155 and 156. On her own podcast, Francie encourages us with scripture, prayer, scientifically-backed research, and testimonies as she shares more about God's desire for intimacy's place of delight and connection in marriage. She is clearly Holy Spirit-led in her choices for topics to cover, and if this topic does feel intimidating, I just want you to know she is graceful and gentle in the way she instructs and encourages us to understand more of God's heart in this area. She especially has a heart for moms as she is a mother herself to six children. I think it's most beneficial to go back and start at the very beginning with her first episode and work your way through her podcast offerings. I hope you don't miss out on the gift this podcast is. So please check out Heaven in Your Home as soon as you finish today's episode. What would you say God is teaching you in this season? Mm,
1: To trust Him, always. And... You know, lean not on my own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all my ways. Because just starting this nonprofit ministry, it is hard to trust Him. Because, you know, finances, you are dependent, we are dependent. There's not a church that is associated with Birds on a Wire. We are a self-sustained ministry. So it is hard to look at the numbers and be like, "Huh, what if we don't make budget? Because everybody loves free stuff. I mean, heck me too. (laughs) And I'm guilty of this with other ministries. Like I love certain things, but do I give to them? You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. It's just hard to trust God. You know what I'm saying? Trust God in the fact that he's got my children. Even when they mess up, he loves them more than I love them. And he's going to. Provide a way for them, you know? Like, that's hard. It's hard to trust God with my adult children that are married. Like, what if they don't make the right decision? Now that's affecting my grandkids, you know what I mean? But I don't need to get in the middle of that. I know that, you know. I know I'm wise enough to know that. But I got to trust God that he loves them more than me. He's going to pursue them more than me. And I need to take big steps back. And allow him to do his work and not get in the middle and be the Holy Spirit. Because I'm not. (laughs) Always a
0: good reminder. Yeah. And now that we've mentioned your kids are out of the house. Mm -hmm. So how do you spend your time in this season?
1: Mm. In this season, I do not cook. Except for special occasions. And I love that. I love not cooking. And I love to cook. Um, but it's, I've been cooking for so many people for so long. I love not going to the grocery store and not filling up my buggy so full. You know, just going and getting fruit and some soda and some waters and that's it. And then we eat out the rest of the time. Nice. <laughs> um, I go to lots of movies. I, um, hang out with my friends. I Netflix binge a lot when Greg's traveling. I'll get on a series and I'm serious. This is really bad. By like six o'clock, my bra is off. I'm in my bed. I'm watching my Netflix show and I love it. I absolutely love
0: it. Well, and that was not your story for so many years. right.
1: And I love not Having to do anything for anybody except whenever they all get to the house and, you know, whatever. So, and I still pour into my kids. My son just, he's down in Pensacola in flight school. And he was home a couple weeks ago. And I have some Pampered Chef products. And he's like, I love the stone. I love this scooper thing. And he's a bachelor. So, I got online this week and I sent him a box of Pampered Chef stuff, you know. Um, so, I love to do that kind of stuff. I don't have to do it every day. And it's sort of nice to spoil them and be like, here, happy homecoming, welcome to your new home kind of gift kind of thing.
0: Which is so fun for us to hear about different seasons, what it looks like. So then if you rewind the tape, how did you spend your time in seasons where you had all four kids under your roof?
1: good gracious. I was busy. Uh, When they were young, I was busy all day. And um, morning till night, I was a stay-at-home mom. Up until Kelsey was 10, 12. And so, you know, the monotony of motherhood. That's right where I was. That's where I eat, you know, ate, slept, and breathed all the time. Um, but I just sort of got into a routine of the monotony of motherhood and got okay with it and did it well. I really tried to do it well. I thought, this is my job, and I'm just going to do it well. And um, I felt like I did, but I was busy. By 7.30, I was tired. And those kids were in bed. I did not fool around when it came to bedtime. (laughs) Because I felt like I've been with you all day long. It is time. I need a break. That's another way moms can rest. And so from 730 on, I did not do any housework whatsoever. I don't care if the laundry room was full of clothes, sink was full of dishes. I had liked to have that stuff done, but there are days that they're not. And I would just sit down, make myself a bowl of popcorn, and watch TV and veg. So, when they were um, a little bit older, I was busy carpooling them everywhere, taking them to ball and dance and everything. I did. I was not a big room mom. I tried to be a room mom one year for every child. But after I had that check in the box, I was done. Because it is a pain in the rear to be a room And all room moms out there, y'all are amazing. I just got to say that. <laughs> I rarely ever tried to be the team mom, the sports mom, you know, the... Um, Head of everybody. I would make, bring snacks. I'd give my money. I would be at all the ball games, but I did not want to try to wrestle, you know, round up the team mom. That is, that's way above my pay grade. I did tell Greg, you know, we need to continue to date. And I was always on him on that. And I used to want that from him. You know, I want a date. I want you to plan the date. I want you to get the sitter. And he really never did. And I'd tell him, I need popcorn. I need chocolate, candy, at the movies. I want to go all out, you know. And then I would put my friends, I would sprinkle them in there. You know, let's all go shopping or let's go to the movies or whatever. You know, let's go see a chick flick because Greg does not like chick flicks.
0: That's great. So you had a variety of ways to meet
1: everyone's needs and your own included. I tried, yeah. But something has to sacrifice. So you got to always keep that in mind. Like um sometimes the stay-at-home stuff I sacrificed. I sacrificed my career. I sacrificed um you know doing more things for me because we didn't have as much money because we were a one income family. So I sacrificed
0: but it was worth
1: the sacrifice. And then whenever I would go out with my friends or with Greg, my kids probably sacrificed. But that's okay. That's good for them. Um, whenever I started working, everybody sacrificed. The meals sacrificed. They weren't as good, you know, quality meals. Greg and I probably was a bit of a sacrifice there because I was more now I had another piece to my pie that was taken up with work, but I enjoyed the work, I loved the work, and he was okay to sacrifice because he's like, "You know you need this, you deserve this you and it wasn't my working never really went into the family time, so work sacrificed because I leave work at two o'clock, and I wasn't there till four or four thirty like everybody else moms need to know women need to know in life there's always a sacrifice you're never going to be able to do it all ever never ever
0: this is a little off topic Mm -hmm. but a lot of moms these days are facing a lot of loneliness Mm -hmm. so do you have any recommendations for women facing loneliness during this season of being a mom
1: yeah you know i used to pray for a friend You know, I really did. I, in Virginia, you and I were talking about this last night, the Navy community was a bond for me because we were all in the same season of life and our husbands were all gone and we had that shared experience. But there was no spiritual component to that. Uh, Really, none of my friends that I knew of were strong Christians or even Christians. So and it wasn't an environment where you would even really talk about it, you know? So my church community uh became my support. But being in the Navy, local people knew that Navy people leave. So they did not want to become friends and deep relationships with someone they knew would be leaving in two years. But Greg and I never moved. We always stayed in Virginia. And so I kept thinking, I want to be somebody's friend, but nobody, and I'm a friendly person, you know? (laughs) Absolutely, you are. (laughs) And so I wanted these deep friendships, but I kept feeling everybody sort of at arm's length. And so I really prayed, like, God, please send me a friend, just one. I mean, I'll take one. I don't care. And he did, you know, throughout the years, he would send different people. And they came in different packages, different, like I would have never thought, but He knew what was best, and um, some were older, some were younger, some were the same age, and it was just crazy. So I would pray. Also, loneliness for me, um, because there's been multiple times in my life where I've been really lonely, Uh, especially Greg on those six-month cruises. I was very lonely, but music would sort of fill me up, fill the house up, even though it was quiet and lonely. I would just play music all the time, and sometimes Christian music, sometimes secular music. Whatever, but music was really, it's a filler, I think. And another thing is um, obviously the church answer, you know, finding community in your church, whether it's a small group or whatever. And that's why we do Birds on a Wire curriculum. So moms can gather two or three friends or 20 friends and do the curriculum and all grow together. And what I have found with Birds on a Wire is it's easier for a mom to ask another mom to come do this group than it is to even ask them to go to church. Because a mom's group is less threatening than church. Does
0: that make sense? That totally makes sense. And while we're on that subject, Mm -hmm. I think that this is a good practical tool for moms to overcome loneliness is Mm -hmm. through some of your curriculum and your resources. So could you just share your website, your books, the things that you offer to moms?
1: Okay, Um, the website is com. And on the resources, uh, several resources, I wrote a devotional book for moms, 365 days, and every entry is about a mother's world, every single one. So there's scripture, there's obviously the devotion, and then at the end there's a prayer. Because what I kept hearing moms say is, I want to pray for my kids, but I don't know, after God bless them and help me, that's like it. I don't know what else to pray. So I just wrote out the prayers like I would write out my prayers, like I would pray. They're very honest prayers. A lot of times like God, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Will you give me some wisdom? You know, <laughs> like that's that's what the prayers are. Also that so that's one. Then we have five small group curriculums or you could do it by yourself or, you know, whatever. But that is mom core. These are just the six basic essentials of motherhood. So your purpose, boundaries, the personalities, like we talked about, um, discipline, contentment, and time management. So that's what mom Core is about. Then we did Says Who, part one and two. Those are the lies moms believe. And teaching moms, that's a lie. And then this is the truth of what God says about you. And this is how you put it into your life. And then the next one is Make It Count. And when Kelsey had Evie, when she was about a year old, she like, okay, mom. I need you to tell me, like, what you did to raise us the right way because we all turned out decent. And I just told her what I tell every mom. There's no formula. There's no ABC, one, two, three. And Kelsey's just like, I don't care. I'm not listening to that mess because I know (laughs) there was something you did. And so I really just sort of sat down like, what did I do? I don't know. What did I do? So make it count is basically the premises. You have 18 years of influence with your child. What can you do as a mom? to help that child. The next curriculum is Six Truths of Motherhood and that's our latest. And this is for a little bit older kids, moms with older kids. Um, You can do it with younger kids, but um, it might scare you a little bit (laughs) just because they're older topics. Like I do sort of dive into pornography a little bit in conversations that I had with Taylor. But this this curriculum is basically that culture is pushing us so fast, so hard, our children definitely to grow up faster and faster and faster. And it's just sort of my screaming to moms, like we got to stop the motion. Like you're the ones in charge here, you know? So that's about, um, holding the line with your family and it's about finding you again You know, maybe your children are in high school and you're like, I don't even know what I like anymore. I have no idea. People ask me what my hobbies are. And all I can think of is I drive my kids from point A to point B. Like, I don't even know. So six truths is more about these are truths of motherhood. You know, discipline is in there. Oh, the scoreboard of life is in there. That's one of my favorite talks on what do you do whenever you find that life is not adding up the way you thought it was going to add up. And that's the scoreboard of life. And what do you do with that? Where do you go with that? That's sort of a, it, you know, kind of thing. But you got to address it. So then we also have like um, tips on motherhood book. That's just a collection of these emails that I've sent over the years. Just encouragement for moms. That's all it is. And then there's these little tips on motherhood cards, encouragement for mom cards that they can just display at their kitchen sink or in their bedroom or whatever. Just to, hey, you're doing a good job hang in there i know the days are long and hard but it's going to pay off in the long run and then we have a gratitude journal that's out this year that is just forces moms to be grateful and to choose gratefulness because we can get stuck in a rut and you know woe is me and i'm in the trenches and i'm never going to get out of the trenches but this journal just sort of it's it's one week at a time just gives you one thing to focus on for that week just something simple that's right around where you are. You don't have to look very far, but you're choosing to be grateful and thankful to God.
0: Something else that our listeners may not know is that you are friends with all of your adult children. And yet, was that true always as they were growing up?
1: No. No. As a matter of fact, I used to tell my kids um, a lot Because they talk to me the way they would talk to their friends. And I would say, don't talk to me. I'm not your, don't talk to me like that. I'm not your friend. I will not be your friend until you are out on your own or in college. Like, I'm really out of college. You know, I tell Abby, you're almost my friend. You're not quite my friend yet. You're very, very close. Like, I want to be friends with you in two years, but not until then. But I am very close with all my children. And I would dare say, especially the girls are my best friends, like we talk every day just about, we don't have to talk every day, but we normally do, and um, they tell me things, I tell them things, and we're very close, you know, and I, that is a nice thing, that's a nice benefit from, and they enjoy coming home, and I love that, I love that they celebrate each other, and they celebrate us, like whenever we do sorts our big conference every year for moms all the kids are there. Kelsey flies in from California. Taylor came up from Auburn and they're all helping and they want to help. And afterwards this year, right before Kelsey flew back out to California, we all went to lunch together and Greg was there and it was just such a sweet time, you know, for me. And they were all talking about SOAR and gosh, mom, we're so proud of you and everything you've done. And it's just so weird to sit there and listen to them talk about this kind of stuff. It's really sort of cool.
0: Well, and it's so good for our hearts to hear that. If we're in the daily grind right now and how it's paid off for you, your messages are always full of grace Mm -hmm. and it's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Oh, thank you. And here at the Savvy Sauce, we're called Savvy for a reason. Savvy means practical knowledge or discernment. And we would love to hear some insight from your life, Karen, to inspire us with our own action item. So as our final question today, what's your savvy sauce?
1: My savvy sauce for the day is just breathe. Golly day, it's not so, we're so stressed out and we just need to take some deep breaths and breathe and it's okay if you mess up. For the love of all that's holy. You know what I'm saying? Like, seriously, it's okay if you mess up. You're going to mess up. So stop putting all that pressure on you to be perfect all the time because you're never going to achieve it. That's what heaven is for. And it's never going to be found here on earth. And your children are going to mess up. And that's okay. The best thing a mom can do is to realize my child is going to mess up, but I'm going to be there for them when they do mess up. I'm not going to be like, what were you thinking? I'm going to be like, okay, let's talk about that. You messed up for sure, but what did you learn? What would you do different next time? How could I help you? You know what I mean? Instead of, what, you railing on them. I don't know if that's your answer that you're looking for or not. I love it.
0: That's great. So applicable, something that we can all take home and, apply to our own lives Mm -hmm. thank you and thanks for coming back it was just wonderful to sit under your wisdom and get a little bit of your overflow of joy so thanks for pouring into all of us today
1: thank you for having me i loved it we hope
0: you enjoyed this special patreon release and we hope it also gives you a glimpse into the amazing conversations we're having on patreon every month next week the only episode going live is for our paying patrons And we don't want you to miss out. So head over to thesavvysauce.com. Click the Patreon tab and then follow the prompts. By joining Patreon, you are not only financially supporting the ministry of the Savvy Sauce and making our future episodes possible, but you are also signing up to gain access to perks, such as downloadable scripture cards and bonus episodes. It will only take you a couple minutes to make a huge difference. So we welcome you to join today. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news and I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners and God is perfect and holy so he cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a savior. But God loved us so much, he made a way for his only son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans ten nine says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring, him for me, so me for him you get the opportunity to live your life for Him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged.